Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Uh, have Jafetta come up here, please. And uh, we'll go ahead and have Ira come. He might as well bring his bride with him. And uh, would you get that anointing oil over there, please? And, uh, you know, for many years now, Geppetta has been the principal of the school and uh, done a great job and everything. And this year she's retiring. And tomorrow, next Sunday afternoon, you're all invited to come to uh, the retirement party that we're going to have over at the youth building. It starts at 4, 4 o'clock from 4 to 6, stop in, uh, you know, tell her how much you appreciate her and how glad you are that she's leaving. And I mean, uh, now, all that she has done for you and your family and so forth, and she's represented the ministry well in doing so, and uh, she came to me and asked me about uh, praying over Ira, because Ira's the new principal now, and, uh, and she said she saw it take place in her office that, you know, she believed the Lord wanted her to pray for Ira, uh, and I said, well, I think that is God. There needs to be a transferal uh, of an anointing and of a love and compassion and you know, there's some things that you get by Holy Ghost, and there's some things you get by education. And the Bible talks about there's some things we get from the laying on of hands. Hmm? Amen? And that's what we're doing this morning. It's by the laying on of hands, an impartation of spiritual things from God. Amen? And so, uh, uh, Marcia, you want to come on over here? Ira, uh, going to go ahead and we're going to let... Uh, Miss Rogers, come, anoint you, pray for you. Marcia and I will be praying for you as well. But this is not a spectator sport, so y'all can go ahead and pray from where you are as well in agreement. Oh, you just want me to give you a high five, just wipe some on her hands, and she'll be rubbing it on the backsides of her hands, and just like Geppetta's doing. You know, I'm going to go ahead and run up my arms, get some of this old skin off, and we'll rub it on Ira's head. <laughs> Let me get some hair and put some up there. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all about ready? Y'all ready out there? Let's pray for Ira. Oh, Now, Father, we thank you for wisdom. Wisdom, Lord, that comes only from you. Lord, we thank you that you've imparted into him education through means of schooling and so forth but lord we thank you that you do give him a heart to see to see your word to see you and and people lord we thank you that he is one that is a giver lord he gives of his time he gives of himself and lord i just praise you right now that he holds back not your spirit from these people lord i thank you now that you give him uh understanding uh discernment lord and how to handle situations lord we thank you for favor 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 Lord, favor with parents, favor with students, favor, Lord, in the realms uh, that he'll be touching, and we just give you praise for it. Lord, we thank you right now for uh, the many lives that will be touched, students, parents, and grandparents, and even great-grandparents, Lord, through the hands that he is uh, that he's going to set forth to doing, doing this task. And Lord, we thank you for Connie as well. We praise you for, Lord, for a helpmate that stands with him. And we just praise you for that. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom for her as well. Now, we thank you, Lord, for the work that Mrs. Rogers has done. The giving of her life. The sowing of her seed. Of many years. And Lord, I thank you that she did not sow... In doubt, she did not sow just to be sowing, but Lord, she sowed with a purpose. And every one of these young people that has come through her office and come through this school, Lord, she sowed into their lives. So Lord, we thank you for a harvest coming back unto her and her family, a harvest from you, Lord, that it will touch her in every area, physically, financially, mentally. And Lord, I thank you that her identity is found in you. And we just give you praise for it right now. Declare blessings upon her and everything she sets her hands to. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
Amen. Well, glory to God. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Geppetta. Good catch, Marsha. Ken, I'm not rejecting your uh, water, but I am going to enjoy some of his coffee to sit here and see y'all do this week after week. I just had to do it. It's not bad. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, if you could, and I know you can, open your Bibles to uh, Mark's Gospel in chapter 9. We're going to start up there. We've been, I'm just going to jump right on into the Word this morning. And uh, let me find out what time it's time. It's 11.07. And uh, we're going to, uh, I don't think we'll be long, but I'm not going to be able to finish. That's kind of normal, isn't it? Uh, I just want to stick with a particular thing that the Lord has laid upon my heart this morning. But I did want to say that last week, uh, Peter did a great, great word. Love that. About dreams. Uh, he said, Peter, this morning, he's out in Arizona. I think Rusty and Heidi's out in Texas. Got some people at the beach. Got people at the lake. Probably got somebody this morning at Piggly Wiggly. But uh, nevertheless, we're here and God's here. Amen. And we're going to have fun in his word this morning. And uh, I loved what he's had to say about dreams. Because there's dreams that are given that are given by God. I call them God-given dreams. They're, uh, it's a nighttime vision. You can have a vision, get caught up in a vision of, uh, from God. It's a prophetic word uh, from God pertaining to your life. And it's so easy to uh, dismiss certain things, especially dreams, and just call them a dream, thinking that it was the pizza from the night before or something you watched on TV or something somebody said. But pretty much you know when that dream is there and it's got your attention and, you, and it, it just keeps coming back up to you that God's probably trying to say something to you, and we need to discern that and take the time to seek his face about, Lord, what are you saying? And sometimes those type of dreams don't even make any sense. It's just like it's all over the place. And that's just all the more reason that you say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And because uh, I believe God does speak to us in dreams. We see it throughout the scriptures that he spoke a word uh, to Solomon in a dream, and guess what happened? It says there that the Lord said this, this, and this, but it was a dream. And to God, see, the dream didn't make any difference. The dream just meant that Solomon's mind couldn't wander off. Huh? That's right. You know, like I'm up here ministering, I made mention a couple of weeks ago that we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, which means that that's about 40 thoughts a minute. So while I've been talking just a few minutes, you could have been in 80s, 90 different places. And our mind works that way. But in a dream, guess what? You're like a captured audience. You're not going anywhere. And it just keeps coming. The dream keeps coming. And it's kind of a good thing that, that God loves us that much that he can give us dreams that way because we can get sidetracked with things and not really hear what he's saying to us while we're awake. Amen? Because of all the distractions. So, But nevertheless, whether you're awake or whether you're asleep, when the prophetic word comes to you, it's coming to you for a reason, and it's coming to you so that you will uh, grab a hold of it, make warfare, and receive what life uh, that God's given to you so that you can walk in it. Amen? And so this morning, uh, I'm not going to be talking about dreams. Uh, I may make mention of a dream that I did have that was a spiritual dream from God uh, a week ago. And I uh, don't know if it'll be today, but we'll, we'll get to it when we can. And, uh, but we've been making mention since January, I made mention the week before the first, that if you think that 2021 is going to look any different than 2020, you're probably fooling yourself. Have I been wrong? Still got some of the same things going on and all. But things are turning now and changing. But at the same time, other things are coming up. And I made mention to you that the Lord said that the best is yet to come, but he didn't say it was going to come without opposition. Amen? Anything worth having is going to have giants. And the best is yet to come means that there's going to be some giants that we have to deal with. And uh, a lot of them are going to be, we have to deal with is between our own ears. How about that? But nevertheless, there's a lot of things that's imposing upon us from outside 
and a lot of things that we're having to deal with on the inside. And the Lord's saying that he's going to give it to us. And a few weeks back, I suppose, to me, it seems like a few weeks. It might have been a couple of months. But the, the Lord said this is not the last of the pandemics, the wars, the economic troubles, and all the other things that we've experienced in the last 20-something years. We've had all kind of issues that's come up, right? And the Lord said, they're not through. It's going to continue. It's just the way it is. But he doesn't want us to be caught off guard. And we'll go all the way back to the first of the year when I was talking about God wants us to be at that place. And we've got to keep this before us. You may be tired of hearing it. I'm not tired of saying it because I know it's the word of God. That he wants us to be at the place of Elisha. That when we're surrounded like he was in Samaria. And there's a famine in the land. Where there's sickness. Where the government can't do a thing for you. When everything looks like gloom and doom. Death is knocking at the door. God says he wants you to be like Elisha. Seated at peace. With the elders. In other words in the church. In Christ. Seated in Christ. He wasn't shook up and concerned about anything. The same God that delivered him a year earlier in Dothan was going to deliver him there in Samaria. The same angels that were with him and surrounded him in Dothan is the same angels that were there in Samaria. Just nobody saw them, but he knew they were there. They didn't go anywhere. Those angels and chariots of fire were right there. The same God that said strike them, would smote them with blindness so they can't see and deliver them uh, to the king of Israel is the same God that, that he served when he was sitting in the, the house there with the elders in Samaria. He was at peace because he knew his God. He knew who he was in Christ. And the Lord wants us to prepare ourselves and do whatever it takes so that we can be the Elishas of today. So that this world can see us walking in peace and see the miraculous take place because we have the ability to receive what God has made available to us. Amen? So with all that said and done, we've been ministering on, 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 on how to receive from God because we know that we're positioned in Christ. We're not to pray out of fear. We're not to pray in doubt. We're to pray from a position of being in Christ. And, one of them, and we went over a little bit uh, for a few weeks about doubt and how doubt comes in, how we have to take captive every thought and so forth. And this morning I want to, uh, in, in Mark's Gospel chapter 9, we're going to look at some things. Not going to go real long, but it's going to tie in together. So if you haven't heard the others, you may have to go back and hear it, and it'll make better sense to you. Amen? And uh, I have an appointment tomorrow at 11.15. Thank you. My iPad's talking to me, you know. It wasn't the Lord, it was just the iPad. And starting in verse uh, 14, let's go to 14, uh, chapter 9. Give you a little preview of that. What's happened is, is the disciples uh, uh, were there, and Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, and has gone up onto the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, they were there, and they saw... Jesus meeting with Moses and Elijah, and uh, that all took place. Jesus' countenance changed and all, and there was Peter, and he said, you know, should we build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? Didn't have a clue what he was talking about, but nevertheless, he was doing it. That's just like some of us sometimes. We don't know what we're talking about, but we, we have a good idea and a good heart. And uh, the Father, Heavenly Father, spoke up and said this to him. He says, this is my beloved son. And then he said, hear him. Maybe we ought to look at that. I, I found that was very interesting uh, when I read that. Let's see, that was in verse... Uh, in verse 7 it says, And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. I like that so much that I thought, well, I'll just look that up in several translations. So after about 15 to 16 translations, they said, hear him, listen to him, listen and obey him, continually hear him, continually obey him, and all that. But nevertheless, he says, do what he says. Listen to what Jesus has to say. I love him. This is my beloved son. Do what he said. So Peter, James, and John grabbed a hold of that. 
And, uh, you know, that they understood that we were to do what the Lord says. How many know that's still wisdom for today? You know, we're to do what he said. So here it is. He comes down from the, the mountain. And when he comes down, he sees this scene taking place. So Jesus is walking down. Verse 14, it says, And when he came to his disciples, one of the Gospels, uh, it is recorded in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel as well, says it was the next day. And so we'll just say that he, it was the next day. It says, And when he came to his disciples the next day, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioning with them, and straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What questions you with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now, I want you to understand what's taking place here. Jesus is showing up on the scene, and we have uh, the scribes out there. There's a great multitude of people, and some of the people that are there are scribes. And they're, they're there, and they're questioning Jesus' disciples. Basically, they were harassing them, stirring up trouble. And Jesus recognized what was going on. There were those that came to him that was excited to see Jesus. They looked at him and said, he's the Messiah, you know, and he's a great prophet and all these different things. And some came to, to get him to lay hands upon them or, or to pray for him and so forth. But yet there were some there that was there for one intentions, and that was to discredit Jesus. And the scribes were taking advantage of a situation here. There was a guy that came, it says here, that... Uh, when Jesus walked up in verse 16, it says, And he asked the scribes, What question you with them? He was asking the scribes, What are you asking? What are you asking them that you can't ask me? What are you saying? And notice there that none of them spoke up. Isn't that the way guilty people do when you confront them? A lot of times they just they ain't got nothing to say now. So they were all quiet. They said nothing. And it says, And one of the multitude." One of the people that were there, that came there with a purpose in mind, and that was to have Jesus or one of his disciples to lay hands on his son because his son was a lunatic. Luke's gospel said that it was his only son, his only child. So here we have a man, a father that loves his child. And he came to him. For the reason of seeing that his son would be delivered. And he asked him, and he spoke up and he says, He says, Master, I have brought unto thee thy son. Now he called him Master when translated properly, it'd be Sir, because he didn't really know him as Master or Savior or Lord. He knew him, and he trans translated properly, it would be Sir. I've brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Where did he get the idea that he had a dumb spirit? Well, we're going to see that in just a few minutes. And he says, Whether, wherever so he taketh him, wherever we go with him, this dumb spirit teareth him, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spoke unto thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So the conversation at hand was the scribes now, were embarrassing, talking down to the nine disciples that were still there uh, because they couldn't cast out this dumb spirit. They were putting them down. And Jesus went up and says, you want to ask some questions? Ask me. And so he goes on and he says this in verse 19. He answered him and said, O faithless generation. In other words, you unbelieving, disbelieving generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you or put up with this? Bring him to me. Just bring the boy to me. And while they brought him unto him, they were bringing this, this man unto Jesus, and when he saw him, straightway this spirit, this dumb spirit, tore him. And he fell on the ground and wallowing, foaming, 
at the mouth. So here we have this scene where here we got these scribes up here that's now they're all kind of like just standing there. They're not saying anything because now Jesus is there. We got a multitude of people standing all around watching. They've saluted him. Hey, how you doing? We've come to have you pray for this one and that one. And we're here. We want to hear the, what, you know, the word of the Father and so forth. And here we got this guy says, I've brought you my only son. He's a lunatic. This has been happening. He, he foams at the mouth. His teeth are gnashed. His eyes roll back in his head. He just throws himself to the ground, and, and there's no control in him. We've tried doing this, and, and no matter what we do, everything has failed. And as Jesus is standing there talking to this guy, and the boy is rolling around on the ground in front of him. Actually, he's not a boy anymore. He's a man. He's a man, rolling around, foaming at the mouth. Now, in today's world, we would say he's having a seizure. Because all the symptoms are the same. And I'm not saying that when somebody has a seizure, seizure that he's got a dumb spirit. Okay? I didn't say that. But I do know what Jesus said about the situation. And that's what we want to look at. So if you know somebody that has a seizure, don't be... Uh, thinking that well, they've got a dumb spirit. That's not what the word says. I'm just telling you that that's the symptoms that we would see. So don't think that you, some of you might have seen that people have a seizure before where they're just uncontrolled. They're out of it. You know, all kinds of things are happening. They, they fridge up, they lock up, and these, this is what was taking place. And how many of you know that's quite distracting if you've come to hear Jesus? If I was up here preaching and that was going on over here, how many of you would be listening to me or watching that? So here we have this type of scene that's taking place. And so what do we got? Jesus, right there, as the guy's doing this, he looks over to the dad, and he says this. He says, uh, how long is it ago since this came to him? How long has this been going on? Now that got my attention I've always wondered about that. Jesus, I mean, don't you see the guy? I mean, let's do something. Let's do it quick. Let's just move on his behalf. You can talk later. But Jesus turns to the father and says, well, now, how long has he been acting this way? How long has this been going on? And the father's response was this, since he was a child. Since he was a child. So that leads me to believe if he was still a child, you know, that he would have said, well, it's just been a couple of years or a year. But since now, I believe he's older. He says, since he was a child, this has been going on. And he says to him, he says, and oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and sometimes into the water to destroy him. Hmm. So this has been going on for quite some time. Well, what's that got to do, how long it's been going on, whether or not Jesus can cast this devil out or heal him? How does the length of time that this guy's been dealing with this, how, what does that have to do with anything? It, does Jesus have more power? Uh, is his ability better if it's only been going on for a year versus 20 years? No. This you never had anything to do with the power that's available the issue is it has everything to do with this father having faith to receive what Jesus is willing to give. He was saying this to the father because the father's ability to receive is dependent on something here. Okay? He said to him, he says, uh, so how long has it been like this? He said, well, it's been like this since he was a child. Sometimes it throws him into the fire. and We have to go and get him out and put him out. And then there's times where we'll be walking, and all of a sudden he'll throw him into the water, and he's trying to drown him, and we, we get him out of that. But if thou canst do anything, do you see that? Right there in the Scriptures. But if thou canst do anything, if you can do anything, now is that a statement of faith? 
if you can do anything. Now, why would he say, if you can do anything? Because I can assure you that this father loved his son enough that when it first started, he took him to the physicians. And the doctors looked at him and checked him out and all, and they maybe prescribed some medicines to him and maybe did this to him or that to him, but he didn't get any better. And so as a good father would do, he probably took him to the priest. And he asked him, said, Rabbi, can you, can you pray over him? Can you do whatever uh, for my son? You know, he's, the doctor says it's nothing they, they can do. They don't know anything. Uh, we've spent a lot of money at the physicians. They can't do anything for him. Just kind of like the white woman with the issue of blood. She spent all of her, her substance and got, didn't get any better, but got worse. So here it is. The, the young boy is now growing up and he's getting worse and more and more happening all the time. And, and, and he says, Rabbi, can you, can you do something? So they tried to, they prayed over him, and, and, and nothing happened. And they probably went to another preacher, probably another priest. I asked him, would you pray? I went over here and, and asked, you know, Rabbi, whoever, it, it, to pray. And he prayed, but it, it didn't work. And so I, I'm here. I heard that you prayed for people, and they got healed. So would you, would you pray for him and see that he would be healed? And nothing happened. They said, what we need to do is bring on the exorcist. You know, because Jesus, he cast out devils, did he not? And they said he did it by Beelzebub, the spirit of Beelzebub. And he says, well, then, if that be the case, who do y'all cast them out by? Huh? So they did cast out devils, or tempted to. So I'm sure they came to him and said, he's got a dumb spirit. And we need to cast it out. That's where he came up with the dumb spirit. Because probably one of the priesthood or some exorcist, some rabbi told him that he had a dumb spirit. Is this making sense to you? And so they tried to cast this devil out, but they didn't have any luck. And so they probably went to another one. One maybe that traveled or had better success than he tried and didn't happen, and he tried again. In other words, the father loved his son so much that he took him to doctor after doctor, rabbi after rabbi, priest after priest, exorcist after exorcist, trying to get his son delivered and back in his right mind. And now he's come up to Jesus. He went to his disciples, and guess what? They failed. Now he comes to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, now, why would he say that? Because he has, for years, been disappointed. For years, it's never worked. He wants him healed. He wants him delivered. But every single time that it's not happening, another brick's been added to the wall of doubt. And he sees his son suffering. He says, Lord, I know you can. God, I know you can heal him. I'll go and take him to so-and-so. I've met people that have had about every preacher that I can imagine pray over them about healing in their physical body. Well, if I can get Brother Hagin to pray for me, if I can get Brother Copeland to pray for me, if I can get Oral Roberts to pray for me, if I can get this one to pray, if I can get Benny Hinn, if I can get this one, if I can get that one. The problem is not in their ability to pray. It's not in their ability or the, the anointing on their life. The problem all lies with the fact they could not receive what God has made available for them. Are you hearing me? This man was having trouble receiving what Jesus has made available to him and what he was bringing to him, and he's because he's faced nothing but doubt and fear. You know, it's, it, well, we'll try again, but, you know, the, the rate, in my experience, has been it's not going to happen. But we're going to try again. Well, maybe it will this time. Maybe God will just have mercy on me because that's what he said. He said here, if thou can do anything, have compassion on us. Have mercy on us and help us. If you can do anything. He didn't say, I know you can do anything. He didn't say, I know all things are possible with you. He didn't come to him and say anything except, I've heard about you I know that it's happened before I brought 
him to your disciples because I actually heard that they could cast out devils because people told us that they did. How many know that was true? They did. It's right there in the scriptures. If you read it, it's, it's right here in the book of Mark, matter of fact. I think in uh, chapter 6, after he had left his hometown where he was there, and they didn't receive Jesus because they identified Jesus as being the carpenter. They identified Jesus with the fact that there's his brother Joseph, and there's his sisters are with us, and there's Judah. They identified with him as the boy grew up in his hometown and not as the Messiah, anointed of God. And they said, you don't, what, what, and it says, the Bible says they were offended with him, offended at Jesus teaching the word of God. Can you imagine that? And so Jesus did something. He says, we got to fix this. So he anointed the 12 and sent them out two by two to go out through the regions to teach the kingdom of God, to preach the kingdom of God, and to demonstrate the kingdom of God by the laying on of hands, of healing the sick, casting out devils, curing leprosy, all of that. He sent them out. And the Bible says that they came back rejoicing and said, even the devils are subject to us in your name. They had great success. Verse 30 will even show that in chapter 6. So this guy came to his disciples and said, well, they'll do. But when the disciples prayed, there was nine of them there. We had Doubting Thomas. We had Judas. We had Thaddeus. You know, had the, had the, you know, Philip. We had those that were there. Now, Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, they might have stepped up to the plate and said, oh, no, 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 Mr. Devil, you're out of here. But they weren't there. But the nine that was there couldn't cast him out. And so now we have the, ferret, the scribes there putting down Jesus' disciples. Said, well, if, if, you're, if you don't have the power, your, your master doesn't have the power. And, and they were just kind of like, you know, look, I'm a fisherman. I'm Matthew, the tax collector. You know, I didn't do this beforehand. I've only been doing this now for about a year and a half. You know, and they're making excuses. You know, that, that now Jesus was here. Well, then when Jesus showed up, it was like, okay, game's on. But what I want to emphasize is this. 14 years, maybe, this guy's been living this way. Time and time again, failure. Every single time, they, he believed that God could. He believed in his heart that God would want to. God's mercy is more than enough. He probably was a good Jew boy and, and said, you know, have mercy upon us. Your mercy endureth forever. He, he knew that, knew it, knew it, knew it, prayed for it, and, but, and he kept trying over and over and over. But in the back of his mind, every single time that they tried and failed, another brick of doubt was put up to the point well, we have the master here. And he says, if thou canst do anything, just have mercy on us. Now, Jesus answered him with this. If thou canst believe. This guy, if thou canst do anything, and Jesus says, if you can believe. It ain't about whether or not I can do anything. It's whether the bottom line is, is whether can you believe for it. Now, I like this. Because, see, what's happening here is putting it back where it belongs. It's not about whether or not God can heal you. It's about can you receive what he's already done for you. It's not about can he bless you financially. It's about can you receive what he's already made available for you. It's not about God giving you peace. It's about can you receive the peace of God. Because the problem's not in his ability, his power. The problem is in that we're not receiving. Why? Doubt. Experiences. Past failures. And every single time. That's why he says, well, now how long has he been this way? Is that 
puzzled anybody besides me? Why? Here it is, a guy that's hurting and wallowing around and foaming at the mouth and gnashing his teeth, eyes roll back, and Jesus just turns, carried on, comes, well, well, how long has he been acting this way? He wanted this man to see why he doubted. Why he doubted. Because look at his response. And when Jesus saw the people running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou death, I mean dumb and deaf spirit. He didn't say, oh, you that's got epileptic seizures, I'm going to lay hands on you and heal you. He called it what it was. He says, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee. In other words, I command thee, come out of him and enter him no more. Don't you just come out and then go back later. You come out of him and don't you ever go back. You see, that dumb and deaf spirit that was in this man here, rolling around, when he saw Jesus, he threw a fit, thinking that maybe I can buffalo him as well. Maybe he'll back down. Do you suppose that maybe the disciples, when this guy showed up to talk to him, talk to them about their son, showed up and says, listen, uh, I know Jesus is not here, but I heard you guys been casting out devils as well. Now, I've got one that we've had the best in the whole land lay hands on, but it ain't, it ain't worked. Well, I've taken them to doctors. They couldn't do anything. Took them to other doctors. They couldn't do anything. Took them to the rabbi. They couldn't do anything. Took them to another rabbi. They couldn't do anything. Took them to the exorcist. I've taken them all over town, and every one of them for years now, they keep casting out this dumb spirit, but it hadn't happened yet. Would y'all try? Can you imagine... Thomas and Thaddeus and Matthew like, well, uh, so they ain't had any success either, huh? Well, uh, these guys hadn't experienced anything but success. Why is it they can't do it now? Because the guy shows up and says, I've had the best lay hands on them and nobody can do it. And I doubt if y'all can, but could you try? Well, where was the disciples' faith? Because we'll see in the scriptures where Jesus said, when they got private, they said, why couldn't we cast them out? He said, because of your unbelief. Where did that unbelief come from? It came from this daddy. They'd never had anything but success. Why should, why should they start doubting now? Because this guy stood there and told them what his experience has been for years. That's why we need to guard our heart about listening to what other people say that's contrary to what God's Word says. I'm not interested in your aunt or your uncle or former pastor or your mate or anybody else. I mean, what did God say? I'm not even interested in how I think. I want to know what does God's Word say so it will change how I think. And the spirit rent him and sore, verse 26, and came out of him, and he was as one that was dead, insomuch that many said, he's dead. But Jesus just reached down and took him by the hand, lifted him up, and, and he arose. It says, and was to come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? It goes on here, and it says, well, this kind cometh forth by nothing, but by prayer and, thanks and fasting. Which, if you looked in Strong's Concordance, that was added. It's not even in the Scriptures. But it does mean this. That if you hadn't been spending quality time in communion with your Heavenly Father, spending time for the Holy Ghost talking to you, walking in fellowship with Him, and listening to what He says about who you are uh, as, as a child of the Most High God, and having that fellowship, and, but what you have been doing is giving ear to what this old man has been saying and all of his experiences, you ain't going to make it. You're going to believe like they do. But if you've been in fellowship with God, listening to who you really are, not in what doubt has told you you are. What did I tell you a couple weeks ago? Doubt will always tell you where you're located, but it'll never tell you who you really are. Doubt will say, I just don't know about this. That just says that you ain't been spending time with God. 
Because if you've been spending time with God, you'd be saying, all things are possible to him to believe. That's what Jesus said. Over in Matthew's gospel, uh, the same situation, he told me, he said, you couldn't cast them out because of your unbelief. He said, and if you had this faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say unto this mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and it shall obey you. For nothing is impossible to those that believe. Well, it's quite obvious that this father didn't believe. That's why he said to him, he said, well, if you can do anything, he says, uh, if you can believe. If you can believe. Well, why is it the disciples didn't believe? Because they've been listening to something else that was contrary to what the Word says. I bring all this out because we need to understand that we are sometimes in the same place as his father. That for maybe all of your life, your experience has been the very opposite of what God says. You still have a low self-esteem because you still remember everything that everybody's ever done to you that was wrong, how you were put down as a child, how they made fun of you and excluded you from their group. Everybody got invited to come spend a night party except you. So-and-so broke your heart, broke up with you, made you feel like a nobody, and now you've, your whole life has been developed around that very hurt. You grew up on on poverty lane, and, and although you may have some money today, you're still poverty thinking. That was me. I grew up with that poverty mentality. But unless you are willing to change that and say, no, I'm letting this go, and I choose to believe what Jesus said more than what I've experienced. Because when I believe what he says, I'm going to start receiving what he said, and I'm going to change my experience. And now my experience will be what the Word says, and I've changed history from then on for my family and my children's children and my children's children's children. Amen? Amen. Or we can just pass it on down to them. We get to make the choice. You see, we're all been like this, Daddy. We've got areas of our life that has to be changed and worked on. I'm not going to get into that dream maybe next week. Because this all ties into a, something that would take probably another good 45 minutes. And we're not going to do that. But I want you to think about this for a minute. How many times do we say, if thou can, Lord, or have that idea or thought life going on because of our failures? Yeah, I'm going to try again. I know God can. But in the back of your mind, the track record's always been defeat, defeat, defeat. You can't do. Get pushed down one more time. Every time I try to get up, I get pushed back down. I'll go down there and apply for that job, but I doubt if I'll ever get it. You got to know somebody to get the job over there. Really? Don't you know Christ? Huh? Can he not shuffle paperwork for you? Can he not, didn't he say that if you have favor with him, you'll have favor with man? Why would you want to believe your experience over the word of God? I was talking to Kim Clout yesterday. I was sharing with him some of this, and he was like, man, I'm riding down the road. I wish I could stop and write it down, and I will since we get through. I'm going to record it on my phone back to him. I'm going to talk, talk my notes back. He said, I like this. He said, but let me tell you what happened to me and Susan. He was saying that, about six, maybe eight years ago, Susan was diagnosed with this heart problem. And what it amounted to is her heart was working extra hard, which was making the walls of her heart more muscular. Now, in our body, that would be, hey, our muscles getting bigger, we're stronger. But with the heart, it makes it work harder and makes it weaker because the walls are thicker. It shouldn't be that way. And they got a name for it. It's got three different letters. I don't remember what it was. But nevertheless, that's what her problem was. And so she had to go to the doctor, and they ended up making her come two times a year. Every six months, she had to go get another. It was kind of like an ultrasound. And they took a picture of her heart and checked it, you know, to see how thick the walls were, see whatever was happening. And they were praying every day. 
He said, we prayed every single day, never, not one day did we ever mess up. He said, if we were praying over our food, we ended it with, and Lord, we thank you for healing Susan of this, and they called out whatever it was. He said, we'd get in the car, and we'd go somewhere, and we'd pray about our trip going there, and we'd end it with, and Lord, we thank you with Susan being healed, her heart being whole. He said, there wasn't a day goes by that at every prayer they prayed, they ended it with Susan being healed. And after six years, going two times a year, they, every single time they went, this thing did not progress any farther, but just stayed the same. He said, and pastor, after 12 times of going, he said, I was in the bathroom getting ready to go to church. Susan was at her sink, I'm at my sink, and the Lord spoke to me and said, does Susan value my word more than she values her experience? He said, that's the word I'm looking for. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. Susan, the Lord spoke. He said, I turned, she had walked into the bedroom. I walked in there, as soon as I came in the bedroom door, I fell to my knees. I started crying. She said, what's the matter? He fell apart. He said, Susan, I got a word from God. He became very humble. At first, he was like, I, I know what it is. I'm going to go in there and tell her this is the problem. But the Lord came upon him, that, that compassion. She said, what is it? The Lord wants to know, do you value my word more than you value your experience? pertaining to this, and he called out what the, the problem was. And she broke. She says, I have valued my experience more than what God's word says. They repented, or she did, because he was standing believing. But it wasn't left up to him. So he was like the daddy. The boy there, in there I mean, he has, he has to do something. In their situation, he was the one that I'm believing, but she had to be the one to believe and value the word of God more than her experience. So every day, they spoke the word, goes to the doctor. Doctor calls them in for consultation after, you know, the next week. Said, I got some good news and I got some great news. He said, the good news is this thing is uh, is healed. I, I don't know what to say. I've got 12 x-rays here, 12 reports that this is her heart and this is what's all happened. He said, but now the walls are the right size and there's not even a sign that this has ever even happened in her life. The great news is, is she don't have to take blood pressure medicine no more. She don't have to take nothing. All we could do was treat a symptom before, but now she's totally healed. Everything's great. He says, medically, everything I've got here, he said, we've done all we can do. There's nothing we could do. And, 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 and I'm, but this is, this is totally different. It's been that way ever since. He broke as he was talking to me about it because, see, this is the very thing that we all go through. And they're even, she's a minister. Could it possibly be that there's some experiences that we're having in our life that we're not willing to lay at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what? This experience may be good. It may this or whatever. I had the, my sickness hadn't progressed since I started taking it. Whatever it is. But yet you've yet to receive the best because you're willing to satisfy, be satisfied with what's less. Let go of your experience and grab a hold of what the Word says. Amen? With every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around. You may be here this morning and if some of the experiences you've had has, has become so strong in your life that it's it's been magnified. It, it, it's become a way of life. 
you may even develop your own doctrine about it. Say, so, well, you know, I know God can, but, you know, he's doing this to teach me something. He's doing this to, to bring glory to himself that at some future date that this will happen. And, and the Lord says, it's not about whether I have the power. It's whether or not you have the faith to receive what I've made available. Will you receive what I have? You may be there and pray every day just like they did. Lord, I receive it today. I receive it today. I thank you, Lord. I receive it. I thank you that you've made me whole. And it takes six weeks, six months, six years. But don't ever let go of what the word says. Let go of your experience. Unless your experience is in alignment with the word of God, you need to let it go. Quit living a lie. Quit living the lie. And if you've been having to deal with your experiences of failure, shame, rejection, or whatever it may be, sickness, poverty, insecurities, don't add another brick any longer. Be one who tears down walls by lifting up God's standard. Take his word to that wall of doubt and tear it down and stand on his word. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that it goes deep down within inside of our spirit. Lord, we meditate upon this. We think about it. Lord, even now, as we've, this morning, this 45 minutes worth of time, people have, as we were sharing this word this morning they saw images they saw things they remember experiences that they've had and are still going through and lord you brought that to their remembrances because they want to be free so lord i thank you this morning that they're willing to let go of their experience and embrace your love lord every day they'll begin to declare your word and not their experience not to call them blessed today in jesus name in jesus name amen amen thank you for listening to our podcast have a great week